The Athletic. I think an international post would be more suitable for me. They were desperate for him. I mean, they were desperate for him. I just don't, don't see a manager like Sam Allardyce ever being hired by a big club. And he ended up being sort of typecast as, as a trouble tutor, which was very a very different type of manager to the one he was in his early years. If he didn't think he could keep West Bromwich Albion in the Premier League, he would not have gone anywhere near it. Trust me on that one. Things have so far got, got worse under Allardyce rather than better. But I have got a 100% record. Sam Allardyce left Everton in May 2018. It was an unhappy departure. A manager convinced that he had done the job asked of him by digging another club out of another hole, but a club and fan base who wanted more than just survival. Over the following two and a half years, he was never too far away. He gave interviews, he was a semi-regular pundit on TV and radio, he was talked up as the rather unlikely solution to Pep Guardiola's problems. He could bring Sam Allardyce in on a, on a temporary basis. I mean, any of these guys have, have, have shaped teams defensively, haven't they? He spent plenty of time on holiday, he gave speeches. In short, he gave the impression of a man who, despite that sticky end at Everton, would be relatively content if that was his last job. Or at least a man who didn't really need the stresses of another. But he couldn't help himself going for another firefighting job. I'm James McNicholas. Welcome to the third and final instalment of Beyond the Headline, the making of Big Sam. In February 2020, just before the world came apart at the seams, Allardyce spoke at the Oxford Union. I think an international post would be more suitable for me on the basis of my stage of life and the fact that that the Premier League and or the Championship now is is 24/7, seven, seven days a week. Uh, whether at this stage in my life I want to uh, put my soul, mind, and body into that 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 level of stress, which is something you have to learn to deal with. But the lo- the love of football allows you to do it. So I'm not sure that I want to get to that stage. This is the longest I have not been a manager, which is two years. But in December 2020, he decided that his love of football was still strong enough for his mind, body and soul to cope with the stress. When West Brom sacked Slaven Bilic, Allardyce accepted the almost impossible task of trying to keep them in the top flight. At that stage, West Brom was second bottom of the Premier League and their only win of the season had come against Sheffield United, the only team beneath them. I didn't really sense any great relief at West Brom. I think the best thing I sensed was almost a resignation that that perhaps this was necessary. This is Steve Maidley, West Brom correspondent for The Athletic. There are big comparisons to draw actually between him arriving and Tony Pulis arriving at West Brom a few few years back. Same same kind of style of football, I I, I guess. Similar situation in terms of firefighting, but I think the, the big difference was with Pulis. Even though Pulis was massively unpopular with West Brom fans before his appointment because of some history between West Brom and Stoke and Pulis and Tony Mowbray. Pulis succeeded Alan Irving, who was a very popular man, but a very unpopular manager at, at West Brom. Whereas Allardyce has succeeded Slaven Bilic, who was, who was a hugely popular man and a hugely popular manager. And I think ev- even the people, and there were quite a few of, of these people who kind of accepted that that Bilic, Bilic's reign had kind of run out of road and a change was, was needed. I think even those people were uh, not not particularly pleased to see Allardyce 
coming through the door. By common consensus, this is not a particularly attractive job. While West Brom as an institution see themselves as a Premier League club, they do not currently have a set of Premier League players. And you could argue that Bilic overachieved by winning promotion last season. In a sense, they are reminiscent of the Derby team of the 2007-2008 season, who gathered a record low tally of 11 points, having been unexpectedly promoted under Billy Davis the season before. I think there are ma- massive parallels actually, actually with, with, with that Derby team. I think you could argue that West Brom were promoted at least one season too soon. I mean, obviously, you take it when you can, when you can get it. And certainly post-COVID, post-lockdown, with all the financial implications that, that had, went from being a kind of, well, it would be nice, nice if, if we were promoted, but really Slavin's done the job in terms of lowering the age of this team and changing the style of play and re-engaging the, the fans. Suddenly, COVID came and, and the bottom, bottom fell out of the club financially or fell out of football financially. And it became an imperative, we must get promoted. And I think we saw, we saw those nerves after lockdown in, in those games. So yeah, I think there is, a, there is a real kind of sense that this was not a team or a squad that, that, that was really ready for the Premier League. You're probably thinking, why? Why has Allardyce returned? And why has he returned to this job? He did, after all, turn down a number of other positions at home and abroad during his time away. Watford was one, an implausible return to Newcastle another. West Brom, look, you know, looking from the outside, you would you would have to assume that you know it, it's it's the best job he's been <laughs> offered in a while. Oliver Kay, senior football writer for the Athletic, tries to reason it out. Perhaps it isn't a job he would have accepted this time last year, but but you know, at 66, having been you know, basically confined to his house since March. Um, I expect he's um, he's um, probably um, more willing to more willing to take a, what, what looks like a bit of a poison chalice. Steve Maidley. Maybe he looked at it and thought, well, West, West Brom is the kind of club I'm going I'm to get. Um, if I want to get back, back into the game this, this season, then I need to back myself and, t- and take this job because if I, d- if I don't, who knows when the next opportunity is going to come. I'm not entirely sure why he keeps going. That's Adam Hurry, writer for The Athletic and host of the Football Clichés podcast. Being a Premier League football manager looks very difficult, very complicated, very time-consuming, really boring at times, and just a general massive pain in the arse. And I'm, I'm really surprised doing it at such an advanced age when he gives off a vibe of of wanting to do things just very casually and very slowly. Perhaps it's a combination of confidence and sentiment of one last loose end to tie up in a 30-year career. If he didn't think he could keep West Bromwich Albion in the Premier League, he would not have gone anywhere near it. Trust me on that one. Here's Phil Brown, Aldice's assistant at Blackpool and Bolt. So there is a belief in him that he can help West Bromwich Albion survive and maybe finish the journey that he started all them years back as reserve team manager under Brian Talbot. Perhaps it's as simple as a man who still believes he's good at what he's always been good at. So why not come back? Mickey Mellon was one of Allardyce's first signings at Blackpool. He's currently Dundee United manager and counts Sam as a mentor. Management is about the group of players or the set of tools that you have in order to try and do what football's all about and that's try and win games and become successful. What Sam's always been able to do is look around the room of what he's got available and work out a way of getting clean sheets and winning games of football with what he has. If you gave Sam Allardyce any 
set of tools, if you gave them the best set of tools in the, in, uh, that was available, he would create the best football that was available. He's, he's adaptive and understands that at the end of the day what football is about is with what you've got, gaining the right results, whatever way that takes. He knows very quickly what's important for the football club to start to move forward and how to do that. And it'll be clean sheets, getting first goals, being difficult to beat and finding a way of nicking a goal. And then he'll build forward from that. This is arguably the riskiest job he's taken on since the leap of faith that took him to semi-pro Limerick at the very start of his career. Not only because of the state of West Brom's squad, but because COVID-19 could take away some of his key tools. It's been a month, really, that's been dominated by COVID, which I know sounds a really obvious thing to say because, God, the world's dominated by COVID at the moment. But Allardyce speaks a lot about COVID in his press conferences and from speaking to people at around the club, he's been talking to them as well about, about COVID and it does, it, does, it does seem to have played a big a big part in his in his thinking. He's, in his previous firefighting jobs, his methods have, have been very much kind of big team meetings and analysis of, of where, where things are going wrong and then put that into, into practice on, on, the, on the training field with lots and lots of team shape and pattern of, pattern of play sessions and then there was one at Blackburn, which Stephen Warnock, who was quoted in the piece, described as basically just being a piss-up, where it was it, it was all about team bonding and, and improving the spirit. Now, none of that's been possible at West Brom. They're not allowed, not just West Brom, but all clubs aren't allowed to have uh, any kind of team meetings with more than 10 people at the same time, so so he can't sit down and do his big set-piece analysis things. They're, they're having to limit the contact on the tra- on the training field, so... That inevitably has an, an impact in the, into the kind of sessions they can do. They can't even sit down in, in the canteen together at the training ground because the canteen's closed, other than for ta- other than for takeaways. The, the team bus they can't they can't really generate the same kind of spirit on the on the team bus because they're travelling as of this weekend they're travelling on three different team buses to to maintain social distancing. So I, I think Allardyce has, has been at pains to, to point out that this this is a job like like no other job that he's taken on because because he can't kind of reach reach the old playbook. Still, he's 66. And while he's by no means the oldest manager in the Premier League, it's an age where he's earned a long and relaxing retirement. For a while, Phil Brown believed that Allardyce would retire early, 10 years ago even. But plans change. I think he had a he had a game plan at the start, and um, but he just, he loves the game. He loves the game that much. He, uh, he loves the challenge that is is being thrown upon him many many times I think, but he he's going to probably uh, leave that legacy of survival campaigns in the Premier League. He's not bothered. It's a challenge that nobody else can really lay claims to. Can do it as good as what he can. That's one of the questions the return of Allardyce affords us the opportunity to ponder. His career can broadly be split into two halves: pre and post-Newcastle. Before the move to St James's Park, Allardyce was a team builder, a manager who got Limerick promoted from the second tier of Irish football, who took Blackpool from nearly dropping into the fourth tier to nearly rising into the second, who got Notts County promoted, and who of course built the best team Bolton had seen since the days of Nat Lofthouse. But after that, he became a firefighter. A salvage merchant, the man you call when you're really in a bind. 
George Culkin recently said in a piece for The Athletic about Tony Pulis that he's football's answer to Winston Wolfe, someone to help you clean those bloodstains off the wall and bits of brain out of your car upholstery. That applies to Big Sam too. Which would you rather be? Which would he rather be? Has Allardyce come to terms with his reputation as football's perennial break glass in case of emergency option? Phil Brown. I think, I think the, age, you know, the age of him now, he'll have accepted it. Deep down inside, uh, it'll probably hurt his ego for sure. Oliver Kay. I think he cared when he was, when he felt like it was stopping him getting better jobs. So obviously he was at Bolton and he it was, he, he felt like he was typecast as a, as, as a sort of, you know, manager of plucky Bolton and people didn't, you know, he got overlooked for the England job as he saw it, he got overlooked for other jobs and, and he ended up being sort of typecast as, as a treble tutor, which was very, a very different type of manager to the one he was in his early years. His, his, his reputation and the job he did at Bolton was about building up, improving it year on year. And then he, but he never really, he seemed to accept sort of reluctantly post West Ham in particular that, that it was going to be about, you know, go to Crystal Palace, keep them up, move along, go to Everton, keep keep them up, move along. And, and you know, that, that, that is certainly the, um, the, the way he's taken the West Brom job. Adam Harry. On, on a really clinical, professional level, it's not a terrible role to have um, because it kind of assures you almost annual employment. There are, there, there'll be a certain number of chairmen who, who will be entranced by this reputation that you have enough to hire you in those circumstances. It's probably not the most rewarding job, um, really. But, you know, if someone, if you take any other industry and then said, right, okay, you will get a new job every year at the, at, you know, somewhere near the top level of your profession, you'd say, yeah, I'd take that, especially in, you know, in your 60s and 70s. Um, if you're still operating at that level, um, you know, even if it is just the myth propelling you there, then you'd still take it. There's another thing to consider. There are two Sam Allardyces. There's the character Big Sam, the caricature of the proper football man, the bluff northerner who's just as at home slapping knees on TalkSport or the Sky Sofa as he is in the dugout. And then there's the manager, Sam Allardyce, the thoughtful innovator, the man who for years was ahead of everybody, who is just objectively good at what he does. The character of Big Sam has clearly made him popular down the years with many in the game, including those on this podcast series. But has it held him back? George Culkin covered Sam's time at both Newcastle and Sunderland. I did a kind of big interview with him uh, for the Times back then it was in sort of January five years ago and part of that was to try and sort of dispel a few myths around around him and he kind of said he talked about that sort of old school sort of image that he has he you know said I know I know people don't like me I'm Marmite it must be how I look rugged tough it's that it's the way I speak and all that kind of stuff there's a chance his persona has made him an easy object of ridicule. The rampant consumption of football now is, is such that a, the caricature of Allardyce has been offered up to us so much, so often, that we now feel like we own it. Adam Hurry. I don't think we ever stop to think about what he might think about it or whether he thinks it's fair or not. And there are, you know, you could argue that he kind of plays up to it quite a lot. You know, when we look back at his legacy one day, we'll think, was this slightly unfair? 
This was as a guy who, by any definition, was at the top end of his profession. Perhaps he deserved a little bit more respect, or to be more precise, a little bit more accurate uh, scrutiny, perhaps. What is it about the Big Sam character that makes people think they can take the mic? It's just that the way, that the way he comes across and the way he talks about football is very accessible. It doesn't feel like he's speaking another language. It doesn't feel like he's, you know, he's he, he's spouting a kind of UEFA Pro license out at you. It's all very accessible language, and 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 that makes you believe that the way he approaches football is something that you can get your head around, and you could probably do yourself if you had the, if you had the you know the tools um, to do it. So, in our defence, there is so much material to go with. We're, we're, um, who who else would have been a permanent England manager for just one game? And there's, you know, this... I, I hate to dwell on it, but I also can't avoid it. This persistent myth of the pint of wine, which was so central to the narrative of his England sacking, which nobody can quite bring themselves to debunk. For those unfamiliar with the pint of wine myth, in the Daily Telegraph story that ultimately cost Allardyce the England job, Allardyce was pictured with a pint glass filled with what looked a little bit like wine. And yet it clearly wasn't a pint of wine. Why do we still talk about it? But yet we can't we can't let it go because it's Big Sam and that's part of the, the, the very fabric of his caricature. So we have to do it. Of course, sometimes he doesn't help himself. He did, after all, once declare that not only was he more suited to managing Real Madrid or Juventus than Blackburn or Bolton, but that he'd easily win the double with either of them. And he did, after all, once declare that if his name was Aladici, he'd be a shoe-in for a top-four job. For what it's worth, Vince Grella, who played under him at Blackburn and who spent the bulk of his playing career in Italy, thinks he'd do pretty well in Serie A. I think there would be some cultural challenges with the management style. The Italians are different to the English with regards to the relaying of messages. Um, but with regards to the football principles and concepts, I think he would do a good job. But it's arguably not snobbery or a name that doesn't end in an Ichi that's prevented him from getting a job at one of England's biggest clubs. It's partly the perception of his style of play, but it's also the image that he has created for himself. Not just as the tough, no-nonsense, straight talker, but as a man who takes so much glee in bloodying the noses of the big boys that it's impossible to imagine him being one of the big boys. He can tell me all he wants, I don't give a shite to him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd love to see Chelsea players moaning at the referee, trying to intimidate him, Jose jumping up and down saying we play crap football, we play anti It's brilliant when you get a result against him. So, I'd luck, Jose. <laughs> Here's Adam Harry. This was a press conference where he frustrated Mourinho's Chelsea, um, as he so often did, and he sat there in the most Allardycean way and just basked in the kind of press conference glory of of lots of journalists who were who were sat there and and their job really was to kind of eke out of him this self satisfaction. They didn't really have to do much work because he sat there and he said we've outtacked him and he can't take it. And he said it's great when we play against Chelsea and we frustrate them and all their players are whinging at the referee. And um, Mourinho t- talking about how we play shit football. I couldn't give a. F- where who else would be able to deliver a press conference like that and I wouldn't want it all the time but to have it every now and then is wonderful because press conferences are by and large the most boring things in the world I I would completely agree that um, that aura he has built up about himself is just simply not conducive to big clubs and I I just don't, don't see a manager like Sam Allardyce ever being hired 
by a big club. The nearest we ever came in Premier League recent history would have been Moyes to Manchester United, which feels like a, a terrible comparison to make, but that's the nearest we've come um, to a kind of sort of the earth manager with, with a rough and ready approach to football, being hired at the very, very top level to see how it works out. Even Allardyce by now has come to terms with the fact that he won't be getting a so-called big job. This is his lot. Saving the likes of West Brom is what he'll be doing, which is broadly because that's the job he's best at. I mean, I remember speaking to to Lee Cuttermore for the for the Athletic. George Culkin. It was kind of quite an interesting point that he made, and it stayed with me. He said that you know, as a footballer, what you want is certainty. You want to go onto the pitch knowing what you're doing, knowing what you're supposed to be doing, knowing what the plan is, and knowing that your teammates know what they're doing. And that sounds so incredibly simple, but, you know, you you watch football and it's quite often, you know, if it's quite often not the case, if you're watching a team thinking, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure what they're doing, then chances are they don't know what they're doing. And Allardyce is very good at that. He is very good at delivering those basic messages. Of course, the final and really big question you're thinking is, will he actually do it? Will he keep West Brom in the Premier League? Steve Madeley. Do I think he will? Um, honestly, no. And that's, that's not necessarily a reflection just on him. Although you have to say that results-wise and performance-wise and goals conceded and goals scored-wise, think things have so far got, got worse under Allardyce rather than better. I think any manager would have found it really hard to keep them up. I think Slavin Bilic would have found it almost impossible to keep them up, up, up from, from where they were. And I think Allardyce or whoever they brought in would have found it equally difficult to keep them up, up from where they were. If he doesn't succeed, is that going to harm his reputation and legacy? Does it matter? Will relegation this season, particularly if it turns out to be his last job, change the way we think about it? If it does, perhaps it will be a shame. But either way, regardless of what you think of his personality or his playing style, Sam Allardyce has been one of the defining characters of English football for 30 years. And in many ways, it's just good to have him back. You've been listening to part three of a three-part series of Beyond the Headline, The Making of Big Sam. If you're not already a subscriber, head to theathletic.com beyond to see our latest offers. Subscribe now to make sure you don't miss out on future editions of the podcast. Beyond the Headline was produced by Abby Patterson for The Athletic. It was written by Nick Miller and the executive producer was Ian McIntosh. The Athletic.